Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Today's episode of The Audible is brought to you by Trader Joe's, where it's always game time and the game is value. What's value? At Trader Joe's, value is where quality and price come together. Snacks, great value. Drinks, great value. Fruits and veggies, great value. Learn more at TraderJoe's.com and at Trader Joe's on Instagram. Stu. Yeah? It's Bruce. Bruce Feldman, you remember? We, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, it's been a while. It has. Um, you know. Did uh, you used to host a podcast or something? Yeah, not that long ago. I mean, I don't know what's, go- what's going on. Once that told me word on the street that you were opening a Quiznos somewhere in the Bay Area or something. That's not true, is it? No, I thought about doing that. Um, I decided to start a college football site instead. Um, so I've been working on that. What are you up to? Uh, well, funny you should ask. Remember that place you used to work at? I, I work there now. Um, and I'm still at Fox. Uh, what place? You mean SI.com? That is it, yeah. So um, I don't know if you remember that. That's wild. It is. I don't know if Let that's... Let me ask you something. Does, does that mean we could do a podcast again? I don't know. Are you allowed to do one? Um, well, I could check with my boss. Uh, oh, that's right. I am the boss. Let's do this. Welcome to The Audible. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined by Bruce Feldman. Bruce, we're back. Yes, dude. It just seems like two months ago <laughs> we taped our last one. A lot has changed in college football, or at least a bunch has happened. But a bunch has happened in, in especially your world. Um, you want to fill people in? Well, first, let's fill in people who may be listening to the Audible for the first time. First of all, welcome. Uh, Bruce and I are national college football writers. We started this podcast a few years ago when we were both writing for FoxSports.com. Bruce is still with Fox Sports for TV, but neither of us writes for that website anymore. So there's a little bit of a challenge, but we've got this thing back up and running. You can subscribe to the Audible on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. And we are going to be putting out an episode every week. And Bruce, yes, it was a big challenge to coordinate everything because we both write for different places now. Where do you write now? Uh, I write at Sports Illustrated. Uh, I believe you're familiar with that brand. Um, Yeah, it's ironic, right? When we started the Audible, I had just come to Fox Sports from SI.com. And now, three years later, you're there. 
I know. I don't know whether, whether you're more surprised that it still exists or that I'm there. There, I, I, thought mm. your famous, I thought your famous <laughs> words were, I think Staples is going to kill this thing. But. <laughs> no, it's still, it's still rocking and rolling. I am going to be writing for a site that, as of this recording, has not launched yet, but it will on August 28th, and that's the All-American, a new premium college football site that is run by The Athletic. I'm thrilled to be the editor-in-chief. And we've hired a great staff of six writers from around the country to join me. And it'll be a subscription site. It'll be about $4 a month. We launch August 28th with some great stories. What do you, you've been giving me throughout the scouting report on the staff we've assembled. What do you think? I think it's really good. I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised with some of the people you landed. Um, I mean, it's funny. The, the, one, of the, one of the people you hired, Chris Vanini, you know, if nothing else, I'm glad you got this venture off the ground because I didn't want him to think we were BSing him like a year ago. And we're like, you know, we, you know, we both kind of, uh, he was at coaching search. He was kind of one man banding it for a, for a long time and doing a really good job. Uh, and so when you and I had talked to him and he was trying to see what else is potentially out there in the landscape, uh, you know, whether there was going to be some kind of vertical you and I had discussed with our bosses a while back at foxsports.com. Um, he was somebody we thought of. So the fact that you were able to hire him and a bunch of uh, folks who had worked at ESPN.com as well as uh, other, guy, other people who had really established themselves at other places. So I think you got to really, um, really have to be pretty pleased with what you got, especially, you know, on top of it, you hired a really great editor and, and Dan Uthman from USA Today to help kind of really coordinate everything. I think that's a good start. Yeah, and we got the whole staff together in Dallas a couple weeks ago. It was great to have everybody in person. Like you said, Dan is the managing editor. We've got Nicole Auerbach, a frequent guest of The Audible. She, we hired her from USA Today. We hired Chantel Jennings, uh, Matt Fortuna, and Max Olson, who had been at ESPN.com. Chris, as you mentioned, who we've actually referenced on the podcast several times. And Jason Kersey from SEC Country, who's going to be our SEC guy. So... It's very exciting. It's been a lot. Of, it's been a lot of hard work. But if you remember, those of you who have followed us from the last version of this podcast, did hint pretty strongly in the in the June twenty sixth one that that I would still be writing about college football. What we could not have predicted then, we weren't BSing you when we really at that moment. And this was remember that the the news had just come out. I think the layoffs had just happened the day before. We really had no idea whether it would be feasible to continue the audible, but. I think we have some people to thank for making this a possibility. We do. I, before we get to some of the particular people, I, I would like to thank all the people who had sent, especially on Twitter, so many kind things about the podcast. Uh, you know, we've talked about it a, a decent amount about why we really love this format and this and, and the the ability this affords you to talk about college football and things beyond it, certainly. But uh, the people who we feel like we've had a connection with and, and a lot of the subscribers and not just that. I mean, there's a bunch of folks we know in the media. It was I did a lot of the conference media days. And I remember I went I told you this. Uh, one of the first things I heard from one of the coaches in the Big 12, he talked about how he always listened to our podcast. And the kind of, you know, when you hear stuff like that, it just it really gives you a good feeling about it. And I was optimistic that at some point we would kind of get this thing restarted. And so for all those people who are really, who have been supportive and, and we're asking about it, we're grateful for that and we will not disappoint you. Um, 
And obviously there's been a lot of other people who helped bring this together and get it off, get it off the ground again. And uh, I'll let you do the honors with those. And you're absolutely right. The outpouring from people who were just beside themselves with the idea that the Audible was going to go away. I think that outpouring really helped, uh, you know, get the wheels in motion in terms of all the different things that had to happen for this to be a possibility. We want to thank Rich Cook and Jacob Ullman from Fox Sports who helped with the migration of the podcast over to its new host, which is Audio Boom. Big thanks to Ryan Abraham, our friend who helped connect us with both Audio Boom and with our first sponsor, Trader Joe's. If you aren't listening, if you're a USC fan and you aren't listening to Ryan's podcast, um, what's wrong with you? Yeah, Ryan is also, his site is uscfootball.com. If you're a USC person, you probably already know it and are familiar with it. But anyway, he was, uh, he was a big help in, in us branching out, and we're thankful for that too. want to thank Lindsay Fulton, who was our producer at when this podcast was at Fox and is now our producer again a few months later. Um, great advisor during all of this period. We were able to work in our Audible tapings in between uh, WWE pay-per-views for her schedule. Yeah. So. She was very adamant that we don't record this during SummerSlam, so you know, happy to accommodate. And also another Lindsay, Lindsay Applebaum, designed our new artwork. What do you think about that? Really good. I like it, although uh, I don't know if, if seeing our faces is going to land, land us a lot more audience, but um, it was cool to see. And finally, our new theme music is a product of my own brother, Jamie Mandel, and his band Kevin and the Octaves. They recorded this just for us. Thank you guys and Kevin and the Octaves. Check out their music on iTunes and Spotify. What do you say we talk some actual college football? Okay, let's get to it. As we said, there is a lot to go through. I would like to kind of go back to the, to me, the biggest thing that happened in the, in our uh, dark, you know, two months or whatever it's been was Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze. That story just, you know, isn't going away. And Hugh Freeze was forced out and really was forced out due to the scandal on top of the scandal in probably the most embarrassing way possible for Freeze to lose his job uh, when it came out that he had made some calls to some very dubious places. <laughs> um, Let me ask you something. Do you think if Hugh Freeze hadn't portrayed himself as a very righteous person and invoking his faith a lot, would a call that was discovered on an open records request, would that have still been his undoing? Are you asking me if, is Ole Miss still in the NCAA crosshair? No, 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 no. Obviously, no, that's would, a whole yeah. other issue. Is, but but would this happen, be a, the reason he was dismissed? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Like, even if he was still, had put his faith out there as much as he has, but the NCAA had not, you know, had any issues with Ole Miss, I think then, he, you know, because remember, you know, they were 2-10 and 10 before he got there. They went to back-to-back New Year's Six Bowls. I think they would have written it out with him. But, you know, this on top of – because this calls into question about trust more than anything else. And it was like, wait, were you being forthcoming? You're, you're not presenting an image that was in line with what it was. We, we went to bat for you on a lot of these terms. They really did. You know, the administration certainly had his back. At least it, it sure seemed that way all, all the way up to this point. And so – um, you know, it's a spectacular fall in the way, in the way this all went down. And even, you know, like, yeah, this happened weeks ago, but just, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, my colleague, Andy Staples 
had a story where he went through the phone, you know, like Ole Miss had released the, the, uh, all his phone records and cell phone records from, uh, through freedom of information requests last week. It took a lot of time for people to go through it. Andy had discovered uh, a couple of calls to a massage parlor in, in uh, Houston that does out calls. So, uh, so Andy was going through the phone records and then pasting the phone numbers into Google and lo and behold, a massage parlor in Houston pops up. Yeah, I mean, you know, we both kind of a lot of people did this, I'm sure. And we both kind of you're plugging numbers into Google, you're seeing what you get, you recognize some numbers um in there. Um I think my number was in there a handful of times. I know Chris Lowe is funny. Chris Lowe and I got seemed to get the we're on the same cycle of calls. There was a handful of others um you know, right around the time that uh that those calls were made to the to the massage parlor which i think was charging like 180 dollars an hour and they were they were basically would come to your wherever you were to do whatever business they were going to be doing uh he had made a long call uh, you know 25 minute call to jim levitt who i you know he was looking to try to hire him as as a defensive coordinator obviously levitt left cu to go to to go to oregon so you'd see a mixture of all this but there were like 700 pages to sort through of, of, of just random phone numbers. Well, if nothing else, we now know why Hugh Freeze has such a passion for recruiting. I don't follow that. Didn't pick up on that one, did you? <laughs> no, that one went right over my head. Well, based on the pattern everybody uncovered, it seemed like he had a lot of fun on his recruiting trips. I got to admit, I'm pretty stupid when something like when this came up, Andy was explaining to me out calls. And I said, you know, I, I read right through that. I didn't even know what that he goes. Well, I, I Googled it. And now I know. And then it, it was like one of those, Oh, now I get it. Um, <laughs> so, well, this has been a heck of a start to the audible. Who knew we were going to be talking about this particular subject? No. Um, let me ask you about that though. So one of the things is we would have definitely talked a lot about this the day after that press conference that, that Ross Bjork, the AD at Ole Miss had, um, how did you feel when, you know, you know, freeze a little bit. We've had him on this podcast before. How'd you feel about that when, when it blew up like that? Were you shocked? No, nothing shocks me in college football anymore. In fact, I believe I noted that day that he is the third coach in the sec West alone in this century. Who's been dismissed for infidelity. So nothing, Mike Mike, Price and Bobby Petrino, the others. Yes. So it doesn't, nothing really shocks me anymore. But it did feel like, first of all, the guy is a fraud. He's been completely unmasked. But also, it just, to me, makes Ole Miss seem really uh, foolish. For ha- I mean, they spent millions of dollars on legal fees, billable hours, to defend the Sensei case and to defend him to the death as if he's the only coach in all of America that could win nine or ten games in a season at Ole Miss. It, it just looks so foolish now. And I know... They have said this isn't going to change their defense in the NCAA case, that they're still going to defend him. They're still going to say he doesn't deserve any sort of personal uh, penalty or responsibility in this. But come on. I mean, the details just keep coming out. You saw the the, the phone records with the hundreds of calls to the booster who's in, who's mentioned in there. And the booster's disassociated. That's why that's relevant. The disassociated booster. I mean, this was a dirty, dirty operation going on at Ole Miss. Let me ask you this part of it. So... And I feel like Dan Wolken from the USA Today had made this argument pretty strongly or made this point back after Freeze was forced out, which is about don't 
I don't know if uh, deify because that's way too strong of a word because I don't feel like people really did that. But be careful how you praise these coaches. Um, the question is, and we, we you know, because obviously this happened with Penn State and Joe Paterno. It's happened, you know, where people get put on a, a pedestal, you know, and I think I, I, I'm cautious about this because, you know, I've said this before, no one, it wouldn't shock me if nobody got caught cheating with the NCAA. I don't care how, you know, like how great of a guy the person is. Like nothing, We had a conversation at one point about the coaches you would be most surprised right. to find out they were cheating. Right, but I guess what I'm getting at is I think, you know, look, I, I wrote about Freeze a lot. I've known him since I worked on the recruiting book, you know, a, d- a decade ago. Um, you know, he got asked all, like, I remember when he signed that class, he was on our signing day show when I was at CBS. We asked him point blank about the rumors. You know, after a while, like you can all, you ask the questions as much as you can. I mean, they basically, you know, he got caught in this uh, in this personal scandal, you know, because they did not read. Yeah, Houston Nuts lawyers, they did, you know did phone records. But if he had had just redacted and said, "Oh yeah, this random what is it three one three or eight one three number? I forgot which one." You know, and just oh yeah, that's my aunt Betty. That thing would have gotten a, a sharpie across it, and no one would have seen it. Uh, and some of these numbers, by the way, in the phone records that that uh, both SI and a lot of other places got received last week from Ole Miss, there were a bunch of things redacted from you know players, you know players' numbers and different things like that. So I mean, sloppiness had something to do with getting caught here. Uh, you know, if he had made some of these calls to these kind of dubious places on a different phone that, you know, a private phone. He could have probably gotten away with that. Boy, I wish Ole Miss had the courtesy to redact your number. You're screwed. It's okay. (laughs) Um, What do you think? I don't buy the notion that many people have put out there that, oh, nobody's going to want to take that job. A lot of people are going to want to take that job. Chip Kelly's not going to want to take that job. But a lot of people are going to want to take that job because it's an SEC job that pays well. And... You know, yes, you may have to deal with some lingering, you know, I'm guessing scholarship reductions. I don't know if there'll be a second postseason ban or not, but, you know, there'll be a little bit of patience while you go through that. Uh, SEC head coaching jobs are still something pretty valuable, and I got to think there will be a lot of demand for that job. If, if, if from nobody else, but whoever is this year's Tom Herman, whoever's this year's P.J. I Fleck. Would, I wouldn't go that far to say it would be that guy. But I think there will be there will be definitely interest. I mean, it depends what else comes open. I don't think Old Miss will be that will be that job uh, for the Tom Herman guy. The Tom Herman guy, by the way, got Texas. That's a top five job. No, in no way, shape, or form. Even if Freeze didn't have these issues at Old Miss, it was not a, never a top five job. Um, Would it surprise but, you if a Scott Satterfield, a like really good Sunbelt coach? who has the makings of a good power five coach gets that job. No, that wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if, if somebody like that got it. Look, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Todd Munkin, who did a really good job at Southern Miss, who's now in the NFL, if he, you know, made a move to get it or something like that, somebody like that, you know, a, you know Blake Anderson, perhaps at, at Arkansas, at Arkansas state, uh, there are guys, guys at that level, it wouldn't shock me if they moved at it. But again, to me, like, that 
Houston is a is a I guess when you said the Tom Herman part, I think that's just a bigger step. Uh, it would also wouldn't surprise me if if Matt Luke, who's the interim guy, ends up keeping the job. What what will be interesting to see is two things. One, can Ole Miss stay above, can be you know win six or seven games, and that keeps him in the running because I know he's really well respected internally there. And the other part is if they got a second year postseason ban, then all of a sudden those kids can transfer, mm-hmm. and then it depletes your roster. And also another postseason ban. Then you're really rebuilding. Remember, Ole Miss has upgraded its facilities. Ole Miss still has the worst, you know, like their stadium is, is compared to what everybody else has in the SEC West. It doesn't compare. And, you know, you talk to people within the business, one of the things you hear a lot is the only time anyone's ever been able to su- sustain much success at Ole Miss, you know, in the last 40 plus years, they basically had to cheat to do it. Right. I mean, it's a tall order. And, and because of that, you know, for instance, I would be stunned if a sitting Power Five head coach gets the job. I've heard, you know, at the time Hugh Freeze was fired. Gosh, what names did I see out there? Someone, Butch Jones. Now it's one thing if those guys themselves are fired and need a new job, but I don't see Kevin Sumlin going to coach in Oxford, Mississippi, under almost any circumstance. I just would be very stunned to see that. Why is that? I just wouldn't expect it. I just don't think that's a fit that I would. I would see. Um, but but so the point is no they're not going to get the the big names but there's a lot of good coaches out there that aren't as high profile right now um, you know and I think if they do a good job identifying that person that person could come in and and have a, a run like you freeze had I, I don't think it's necessarily going to happen every year but you know a couple good years like that look by the end of Hugh Freeze's time there and frankly one of the reasons it was so surprising that they were defending him to the death is they did go five and seven last year pre sanctions. Um, and I, I think I'd be surprised if they do better than that this year. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they definitely have a terrific young quarterback in Shea Patterson, some good skill guys, uh, a name that I would keep an eye on, especially if UTSA has another good year is Frank Wilson. He, uh, he was a former old miss assistant. He is a terrific recruiter. And the one thing why his name could get hot this year, especially if UTSA you know, they, he took them to their first bowl last year in his first season. If they go back, he's a very, very charismatic guy who has strong, strong, strong recruiting ties in the SEC. And when he was at LSU, he was as good a recruiter as there was in the country, and he knows how to recruit the SEC. So that's a name that it wouldn't shock me if he got in the mix. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of time between now and hiring season and a lot of stuff we got to figure out. Okay, speaking of this season, the AP preseason poll came out just minutes before we started recording this podcast, which, by the way, we're wedging in between the release of the preseason poll and the eclipse. So I, I didn't know if you had big eclipse plans, Bruce, but I don't think I, we're going to finish could, in time. I could not care less about the eclipse. Who do you think cares less about the eclipse, you, me, or Nick Saban? Uh, it might be me. I, I saw what Nick Saban said. But it's almost like I'm tempted. Like I basically created, did search and replace to kind of get the bachelor off my timeline. Bachelor, <laughs> bachelor I would do almost the same thing right now if, if the eclipse was 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 uh, if I had more time to, to have done that. And Dan Uthman said he lives in Portland, and apparently, like people from all over the country have descended on Oregon. It, people are charging you know twelve hundred a night for an Airbnb and. There's backups on the road just to see this thing. Um, God bless you people, but we're going to talk about the AP poll. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Florida State. Number four, 
USC. Number five, the defending national champs, Clemson. Number six, Penn State. Number seven, Oklahoma. Number eight, Washington. Number nine, Wisconsin. And number 10, Oklahoma State. Bruce, anybody on there too high or too low for you? Uh, no, I, I, the one I wonder about the most is Clemson. I know they just won the national title. I know they still have a lot of talent. I think replacing Deshaun Watson is such a big ask for, you know, they have talented young quarterbacks, but they have a rough schedule now too. You look at how, how it breaks out. They have, you know, they play Auburn and then they got to go to Louisville. It's back to back. They have a road trip against NC State, which has really good defense. And then they have to play Florida State right after that. They have to go to Virginia Tech. I don't know. I, I mean, I think I, I still see them as a top 10 team. If I had to nitpick, I probably wouldn't have them quite that high. And I would probably have Washington higher than they are. I really think people are underestimating Chris Peterson's team. There, I agree with you on both counts. If Clemson finishes as the number five team in the country, the year after losing Deshaun Watson, it will be a phenomenal coaching job by Dabo Swinney, and it will defy history because most examples in the recent past of losing a kind of transcending quarterback like that, certainly, you know, a Marcus Mariota or a Jameis Winston, the team has a drop off the next year. I think Clemson will go about nine and three, and not a bad season by any means, and, and that defense will be dominant yet again. But I just think it's asking a lot of whoever, you know, Kelly Bryant, if Kelly Bryant ends up getting replaced by somebody else down the road, whoever the quarterback is. And also, by the way, it's not like it's just no Deshaun Watson. It's no Mike Williams. It's no Wayne Gallman. Uh, it's, it's Hunter Renfro still there, obviously, but in, and some good players. But I don't know. It's a big, big ask. Here's the other thing, though. The team I'm a little more skeptical of than the public, and I think you, is also in that same division. And that's number three, Florida State. I feel like there's a lot of assumptions being made about the Knowles. I think they will be unbelievable on defense, especially with Derwin James coming back. But Dalvin Cook was such a huge part of that team the last couple of years. The idea that I know Cam Akers is a great, great true freshman. I doubt he's going to come out against Alabama in the first game and run for 150 yards. So now you're asking DeAndre Francois and a bunch of unproven receivers and an offensive line that couldn't protect him last year to take on a much bigger part of the offense. I'm not con- entirely convinced that can happen. Yeah, you know, I was more on board with Florida State, and then I ran into somebody who's pretty plugged in to FSU over the summer, and he kind of got me more skeptical. He was very skeptical of how good of a passer DeAndre Francois could be, how accurate he would be, and that gave me pause. Um, I still have them going into the playoff. I'm, my four playoff teams are – not in any particular order, uh, Alabama, Ohio State, FSU, and then Washington. And I have Ohio State winning it all. Uh, I feel pretty confident in, in Alabama and, and Ohio State. I don't feel very confident in Washington. And I feel a little more confident in FSU because of that defense. And Jimbo Fisher's done it before. And I also think they have a really, you know, they should have a, a great defense. And also the ACC lost a bunch of really good quarterbacks. And I think that should translate, play well for, for uh, FSU. Do you have a 14 playoff already? So you went there already, huh? I did. We got to give people something more than our Eclipse nonsense. So, step so up yeah, there's some, there's some definite overlap there. Uh, I like the Buckeyes to win it all. I know people are, there are definitely a lot of people I've, I've noticed who 
think that they lost 31 nothing at Clemson in the last time we saw them. Therefore, we're all crazy to have them this high. But uh, first of all, the defense is going to be unbelievable. The defensive line in particular, the one that Greg Schiano said was better than his NFL defensive lines, is going to get is going to go a long way. But also, I think no team in the country made a better coordinator hire this offseason than Ohio State did in getting Kevin Wilson. You're getting one of the all-time, frankly, one of the all-time best offense coordinators of my time covering this sport to come in with JT Barrett and say, you know, and, and say his job is to approve the downfield passing game. I think Ohio State's receivers were pretty underwhelming last year. Mm-hmm. Maybe there were some misses there in recruiting and development. I have faith in Kevin Wilson to uh, figure that out. And then, you know, Mike Weber coming back at running back. They've got some guys behind him they're very happy with. So they're my national champion pick. And then the rest of my playoff field is a little similar to yours. I also have Alabama. I also have Washington. And for my fourth team, a little bit of a wild card. I'm going with Oklahoma State. So you and Brando are really on board on Mike Gundy's team. They they did – they didn't have a great defense last year to begin with, and they lost their best defensive lineman. Uh, you feel like they'll be good enough on defense to justify getting into the playoffs? Well, defense is, is not going to be a dominant defense by any means, but I don't – I mean, to win the Big 12, it, it's frankly who's going to score the most points usually. And I see an opportunity for them, first of all, with getting back Mason Rudolph, a huge, you know, a huge coup for both him and James Washington to come back for their senior years. Um, I see a team that frankly looks a lot like the 2011 team on paper. And then I just like the opportunity that's there right now with Bob Stoops handing over to Lincoln Riley when he did. I think Oklahoma will still be very good. I just think everybody's just assuming, oh yeah, Lincoln Riley's ready. He's going to pick it up right where they left off. Not so sure myself. Now here's the one thing, frankly, the biggest reason I almost didn't put them in there is not specific to their team. It's this idea that the Big 12 has a championship game now. And that Oklahoma State may have to beat Oklahoma twice. That, or Kansas State, or you know TCU, whoever emerges as the second place team. But um, I'm just going to go for it. Well, I'm glad you did. That gives me a chance to segue into this. My first game of the year for our crew. We have a really good. I think it's the best Thursday night game next week. And in, in uh, we can't call it week one because week one is is this weekend. But Tulsa, who won ten games last year. Uh, goes to Oklahoma State, obviously won 10 games last year as well. And that should be quite a shootout, I think. And uh, I'm really excited about that game for our crew on FS1. So check it out. We'll see how much you get a chance to see Stu's sleeper team to see if you're buying in or not. Sure. And I wanted to also help plug something you did recently. It's something you've been talking about on this podcast for over a year. Your big (laughs) AD survey, it finally saw the light of day. Joe Castiglione was the number one pick among your survey that you did with both the media. You did a survey of the media and you did a survey of uh, fellow ADs. Um, By the way, it's getting mysteriously dark outside. I think the eclipse is coming. Can we stop talking about the eclipse, please? Back to college football. Back to your AD package. Sure. But Uh, what surprised me was the divergence between the two groups from there. Yeah, yeah. so Mark Hollis, the AD at Michigan State, very, very well thought of by the media. Not as His name didn't come up much when I talked to his peers in the industry. And there was a few others that were like that. I mean, your, your alma mater's AD, Jim Phillips, his name came up a bunch on both. Kevin White, 
who is now at Duke. His name came up a bunch on both. Chris, Chris Del Conte at TCU also came up a bunch on both. Um, but it, it was it was fascinating not only to hear to hear who they were who they respected and offline somewhat who they didn't respect so much being the ads as well as uh, you know what I asked what do you value most and how do you determine what makes a good ad and one of the things that I heard a lot from the ads itself was something I didn't hear hardly at all from from our peers in the media and I didn't just ask college sports writers I also asked some some TV folks as well who cover colleges which was the ADs were like the most important thing is the kind of culture you set in running things if you have a good culture you will be able to hire good coaches if you hire good coaches you will win games and you will be able to raise money um so it was interesting you know like there were a couple of names that I when, once this thing went live, and it got a, lot, a good amount of traction, especially within the industry, as you might guess, uh, for who for some of the people fans saying who was there, who was not. I had a lot of Georgia fans going, wow, look who's not there, as if they were kind of elbowing their AD, who they do not seem to be thrilled with right now. Um, I had some mixed feelings from a lot of Louisville people who thought Tom Jurich should have been there. But as I heard from a couple other people, both in, in the media and 1AD, was when you've had the scandals that have happened on his watch, as salacious as they are, people don't forget that kind of stuff. Yeah, Tom Jurich deserves credit, a lot of credit for the transformation of Lou. I mean, there's so much has happened there under his watch. So if you were doing it purely on the accomplishments on the field and on the court, and certainly getting into the ACC was huge for them, sure. But how do you separate that from the basketball prostitution scandal and Rick Pitino's, I mean, that's not really Tom Jurich's responsibility. What happened with Rick Pitino earlier in that, though, many people thought he should have fired him for that. Um, you know, they, they, they had all sorts of issues the first time. At the first time Bobby Pitino coached there, they had a lot of disciplinary issues after that. We'll see what happens this time. But, um, no, I mean, he wouldn't have that list. Even in the little detail things, you know, one of the things that some ADs mentioned was not – it wasn't the hop, top name on their top criteria, but they also mentioned crisis management. You go back to that Wakey Leak scandal of last year. Yep. You know, Jurich and Louisville's handling of that was pretty embarrassing. And so it's stuff like that that I think comes up, and people don't forget that kind of thing. I think the thing that most exemplified the difference in how we as the media look at these ADs and the way their peers do is Kevin White. Because to me, Kevin White will always be synonymous with the huge Charlie Weiss contract six games into his Notre Dame tenure and the 10 years of buyout payments they had to make after that. Because we mostly focus on those high-profile hire, hires and fires when it comes to ADs. And when you, th- you say the name Joe Oliva, what's the first thing you think about? Firing Les Miles last year. Or, or you know, the, the two years ago, the weird standoff about Les Miles and then the coaching search after that. But um, clearly a lot of people well, respect Kevin White for the more intangible things you talked about. Yeah, and also when I, I talked to some ADs, and actually I asked that point about Kevin White, and there's a lot of people who don't feel like that, yeah, he's the AD, but in that case with Charlie Weiss, that happened kind of above his head at Notre Dame. Right. He's always associated with it. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, you were polled, I believe, so you want to reveal who your top three were? You polled me like thirteen months ago. I don't. I don't remember. Who, okay, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I right think now. I probably had Greg Byrne very high. Um, right. I, I was surprised he wasn't 
as high with the uh, he ADs. Was high the, he was high on the media list. He had some. He had a few points with the ADs. Well, it does beg the question of whether we're just voting for these guys because which ones are most friendly to the media? Because he certainly is. But no, I thought they did a lot of cool, innovative stuff at Arizona. I thought um, Rich Rod was a big hire given their limited resources at the time. Obviously, it's gone south there, but he did take them to the Pac-12 championship game. So yeah, I, I definitely would have had Greg Byrne high. I would have had Scott Strickland high, and at the time you did this survey, he was at Mississippi State. Now he's at uh, Florida, and who else? Those, those I'm guessing those two came very high on the list. Um, Jack Swarbrick, Notre Dame, I would have had very high on the list. He and was of course, his, his own fans list. don't like him now. Yeah, he was another one who was polarizing. There were some ADs I talked to who weren't huge Jack Swarbrick fans. Um, yeah, and I know, yeah, I don't want to reveal, I think there was another name you mentioned that you didn't mention who I think was high on your list originally. Who's that? Uh, he switched jobs since then. John like, Curry from Kansas State to Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, the SEC, it's like an inverse thing going on. They're loading up on some of the best ADs around the country while their coaching lineup could not be less impressive right now. All right. Uh, well, I appreciate you plugging my AD survey. What else do we need to talk about? Because we're not going to pick games for week one just yet. We can do that next week. What game in week zero are you most looking forward to watching? Uh, you know what? I'm, there's a few people I want to see. You know, let's say that. Uh, when, I, when you look at the schedule, it's not a lot to get excited about. Um, but I do want to see Oregon State. Like Oregon State, Colorado State is like, it's kind of interesting to me. I think Mike Bobo is one of those names you know, like we were talking about Ole Miss before. I don't know if Mike Bobo would take Ole Miss if it comes open, but obviously he has long, deep SEC ties and has done a nice job at CSU, has a pretty good team against, or you know, Oregon State, who I think is going to keep getting better under Gary Anderson. So that one, to me, is probably the one I'm most interested in. Uh, like, if you, were, if you were a fan, which game would you get out off your butt and go, go to – Buy a ticket to go see. Oh, that's a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> South Florida, Quentin Flowers and the number 19 South Florida Bulls are coming to, I don't know why I keep saying South Florida, USF is coming to San Jose State, 15 minutes from me. So that would be the answer. In terms of which game, though, um, it's hard not to say Stanford Rice just because Stanford, of all the teams playing on Saturday, is by far the, the, the one by far the best team playing on Saturday. In fact, I believe, you know, I know I just said Washington has a playoff pick, but I, be, I would not surprise me at all if Stanford beats Washington and wins the Pac-12 North. I think the defense is going to be that good. Bryce Love will be a nice, you know, you won't, they will miss Christian McCaffrey, obviously, but Bryce Love is going to surprise a lot of people. It's Rice, so I don't think it's going to be a particularly competitive game there in Australia, but, you know, I'll be curious to see what they look like. Yeah, I'm not as high on Stanford as you are, by the way. Yeah, I noticed that. What's up with that? I don't know. I would ask you the same on the inverse. <laughs> I think David Shaw's a really good coach, but just, you know, they lost arguably the two best players in the Pac-12 last year, uh, one on each side of the ball. I think the defense would be good. I don't know if I, you know, the secondary should be really good, but I'm not as sold on that. Now, offensively, I don't know. I mean, we're, from what I heard, Keller Christ is, is progressing ahead of schedule with his knee, but it wasn't like... You know, if I were to rank the top four or five quarterbacks in the Pac-12, and it's a you know it's the best conference of quarterbacks this year, I wouldn't put him in that list. And I just don't, I'm just not seeing it. I mean, I think they're, 
I think they're a good team in a really, really competitive division there. No question. I mean, I've been saying this for weeks now. There are three teams, Washington, Stanford, and USC, who I feel are separated from the pack going into the season. And Any of them winning Pac-12 wouldn't surprise me. And I understand, yeah. I mean, to me, the biggest question for Stanford is who are the playmakers? Because Christian McCaffrey was practically the entire offense at times the last two years, certainly last season. And I, I need to see some receivers emerge before I'm truly bought in. And that's why I have Washington in the playoff, because I know what I'm going to get from Washington. I'm not as re- concerned with them losing John Ross or Buda Baker. I feel like Chris Peterson has established a program at this point that will not have much trouble reloading from year to year. I mean, here's where I look at it, if you want to compare the two. And I think they're both really well coached. I mean, I think David Shaw is a top 10 coach. I think Chris Peterson's a top five coach or whatever. But if you were, you know, quarterback wise, I give a big edge to Jake Browning. Running back wise, I know you've talked a lot about Bryce Love. It's just has he been able to stay healthy and get on the field. Uh, receivers wise, I think Pettis is dynamic. And, D, you know, secondary wise, yeah, I give Stanford a, a, a big edge. But D-line-wise, I mean, Washington has two studs up there in, in Vita Vea and Greg Gaines. I just, uh, to me, and obviously that game wasn't close last year. I'm sure it'll be much closer this year than it was last year. It, it almost can't, it can't, it's impossible for it not to be. But I'm, uh, I don't know. We'll have to watch this play out. I feel like we have, we're on opposite sides of the spectrum, even though you did pick, pick Washington. And I'm trying to pull you into making it sound like you picked Stanford. Well, I've got one last question for you before we go, and it does involve another team and another coach in that same division. What's up with your guy Leach right now? Sovereign immunity? Sovereign immunity? <laughs> just just Twitter, like, it's pre- middle preseason camp, and he's on Twitter 24-7, it feels like. You know, I think it's his new toy. It's just one of those things where I think he has discovered it. I think he is still figuring things out. I mean, he's he's... I don't know if technophobe is the right way to describe him, but like he's never been an email guy. He's just what I'm curious about is anybody who's in correspondence with him, he sends lots of te- long, long text. Now, if I ever send a long text, it's because I'm able to type it on my keyboard. He's at no keyboard. Is he pecking out these long, you know, like I don't know how he's doing it, but uh, yeah, right now, this I, I don't, I'm not that optimistic on the sovereign immunity front for him. I don't <laughs> think it, uh, you know, that's been a while. I don't know if he's ever going to get his money. Those guys kind of, you know, the crew that kind of ran him out of there and got him fired. I mean, the, I don't think that's changed. I mean, that was eight years ago at this point. Yeah, the one. No, was it that long ago? That he got fired? Yeah. 2000, end of the 2009 season. Wow. Yeah, I think the the only thing that has changed a little bit is because it was really divided when Tommy Tuberville took over and he was just a bad fit there and it was a bad time to be the head coach following Mike Leach especially if you were not embraced by Mike Leach but and then Cliff went in there and it struggled and I think because of that because no one's been able to get close to what he was able to do there a lot of the fan base that maybe was kind of like eh, tired of him a little bit or whatnot I think more of them are like have now appreciated what he's what he did there at least so um, but I don't think that sovereign immunity uh, rant is going anywhere. I, mean, I, I don't think, think he's going to change that on Twitter, that's for sure. No. Well, man, this was fun to do again. It's like uh, it feels like we never left. I know. So we'll have to do it more, um, and we'll uh, hopefully, 
hopefully now that we'll have some games, we'll have a lot more stuff to talk about. And we have some, some little tweaks that we're going to have for the uh, audible conceptually. It'll still be what you guys have taken to, but hopefully it'll, uh, it'll be new and improved. We're going to do it in 3d. No, that's not what you're alluding to. No, it's not. Well, how about something new right now? Some outro music and some closing credits. Subscribe to the Audible on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Our producer is Lindsay Fulton. Our theme song is Dangerous by Kevin and the Octaves. Check out their music on iTunes and Spotify. Follow Stu on Twitter at SL Mandel. Follow Bruce at Bruce Feldman CFB. And for updates on Stu's new site, The All-American, follow The Athletic CFB. We'll see you next time. Now I think I'll pass So come on, get over it